Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I am Gian Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Chad. Hey, Gian. It's great to see you. Um, I know we're gearing up for our spring matches here, and uh, as I tuned in to, to this uh, podcast, I was just so pleasantly surprised by Leo's interview. Um, it really spoke to me. It, it resonated with my heart, especially uh, in the middle there. He kind of talked about, um, you know, his reason for for coaching, and uh, he he started wanting to to do ministry and, and make disciples, and he got uh, a little detoured, but um, came back. But what were your biggest highlights? Yeah, um, Leo is a volleyball coach now at Grove City in Pennsylvania. And um, his story is just unbelievable. He, he was born into a military family. His dad was a military man, um, one of the higher ups. Um, and, and then he fell in love with music because his mom was a musician. He has a degree in music and then decided to pursue ministry through sports. Um, had never played volleyball in his life before, um, before coaching. And he even shares a funny story um, about that as well. Um, but coaches, Leo is a fantastic person, fantastic guest, and we can't wait for you to hear it right now. Coach Sales, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We, we like to start every conversation with the same question that we name it our power question, and um, that is, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? All right. What it means to me, I, I think there are there are two words that come to mind, and I know one of the words was on a previous podcast, but that's the word influence. Um, I think we've been given a great platform to influence and impact uh, the lives of those that we're involved with, and and also to inspire. Not only do we have that direct one on one with our with our athletes, um, but we're given the opportunity um, to be in a public platform, which brings other people in, and it gives us the opportunity through our interactions, through our attitudes, um, through the way that we present ourselves, through the way that we teach to, to influence a lot of people beyond just that immediate circle that we work with. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing it. Um, I want to go back now to a time where there was a young uh, Leo Sales. Um, give us a little bit more of your background of growing up. Where did you grow up? And then your, your story until, until now. Okay. And well, we'll dig my, in. my story is definitely... Um, goes a lot of different directions, uh, not only figuratively, but literally as well as uh, I was the child of a, a military officer. So during my younger childhood, we traveled a lot. We were overseas for um, a few of my formative years, uh, but I spent most of my time, my dad um, retired when I was 10 years old. And so at that point we were in Southern California and I uh, basically stayed there uh, through college pretty much I, I was out of state for a year or two for college and then came back and finished uh, within my uh, in my hometown college but uh, during that time frame I was always involved with athletics I started uh, started at a young age like a lot of you know kids in the United States started playing baseball when I was seven years old uh, played basketball got involved with soccer which became a primary sport um, and then when I got to my eighth grade year I fell in love with track and field and, and that became my primary sport um, going into college. Um, I My faith journey was a little different in that my mother was Catholic. My, my Excuse me, my father was Catholic. My mother was African Methodist Episcopal, Episcopal, which is AME. 
And so I had a, a very interesting background when it came to um, growing up and, and having a faith experience. It, it took until I was about 11 before um, someone finally sat me down and, and, and shared the gospel with me. And, and I was a child. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was asked to pray a prayer. I did. I went, oh, great. Okay. That means I'm a Christian. But it really wasn't until I was 17 that it finally made sense to me. Um, and I dedicated my life to Christ. And, and that's when, when things really started to turn. Um, that year, I, I broke my leg through a, a pretty serious incident. I can't call it an accident because I was challenged to jump off a hill thinking that I could you know, fly and it didn't go well. And uh, I destroyed my knee and really destroyed my leg um, in a lot of ways. And that ended my soccer career. I would love to say I had a basketball career, but by that point, I was realizing I was too short to, to be effective. So I was moving away from basketball. Um, but that year, I had a, a friend's father who was involved with our youth uh, basketball league invite me to begin coaching. I was 17 years old, fell in love with it, and uh, really became it planted a seed in me to want to do that more. So even when I was in college, um, as I worked my way through college, one of the, the, the jobs that I enjoyed doing the most was coaching. I coached soccer, I coached track, I continued to coach youth basketball throughout my years in college. And, and even though I was majoring in choral music, I didn't realize how much sports had really become a, a big part of my life. So um, that kind of gets you through my college career. I graduated from the University of Laverne. I ran track there, was an all-conference track athlete, which was, was great. But the, the guys that were at the front of the pack you know, we're way beyond me. I just happened to, to, to be at the right place at the right time. Or maybe maybe it's a good stopping point here, graduating college. Yes. I want to go yes. back to your childhood. And you, you mentioned you had a military dad. What did he do? And how did that experience uh, shape you as a young as a young man? He was a, na a naval officer, chief petty officer, um, which in a lot of ways, if, if uh, people are unfamiliar with the military, the, the chief petty officer would be similar to the army sergeant. Um, he was the, one of the, the higher enlisted men. So he definitely had to respond to the hierarchy of leadership. Uh, one of the things that, that he passed on to me was a, a work ethic that has stuck with me throughout my years and, and a, a sense of honor and respect um, for elders, for authority. Um, and, and I'm not going to say that, that during my teen years that I had that healthy respect. I was a little rebellious as a teenager, but definitely came back to it. And as I moved into adulthood, found myself leaning on a lot of those lessons that my dad passed on to me. Yeah. Um, what did you want to be when you when you're growing up? It's very interesting. I, I thought I was going to go into the military. <clears throat> that injury definitely affected that. Uh, but even at a young age, I loved sports and watching coaching and documentaries and I, I don't know if you're familiar with it but back in in my day um there used to be an nfl highlight show that came on every sunday kind of highlighting all the games from the the week before uh i, I can't even remember what it was called but then one and, and i used to love that show and then i loved watching a series that came out every olympic year called the olympiad where they would go back to the history of you know great moments and a lot of times they were talking about coaches and teams and how they were put together. And I, and I always loved those experiences. And, and, and then as a young athlete, um, I was not always a starter. A lot of times I was coming off the bench, but I was one of those kids that always liked to sit next to the coach or near the coach and kind of listen in on the coaching side. So I, I had a fascination about that side of the game and it, and it definitely affected me as I, as I moved into adulthood. Okay. Well, that's, that's unique. Um, 
when you got to college, you decided to major in music. Mm -hmm. um, where did that passion come from? You, um, go ahead. Well, that was partly because my mother was a, was a musician, was a pianist and a music major. I was always around it. Uh, I began singing at a young age. Um, and then when I was going through those rebellious teen years, my, my parents had a divorce. And one of the most influential figures in my life, there were two influ influential figures in my high school years. One was my track coach and history teacher. And the other one was my choir director. And he encouraged me during those early years uh, to, to continue to flesh out my singing and, and allowed me to direct at a young age. And uh, it was an easy fit to follow that path into, uh, into college. Um, I graduated with that degree in choral music and went into choir directing as a high school teacher for, for nine years. But during that time was always coaching. I was always <laughs> coaching something. And actually the coaching was a big reason why I would take a job. Did I have the opportunity to be involved? If I didn't, I wasn't really interested in the choir director position because of this other passion of mine. Are there any um, lessons from music that you still apply now to your coaching life? I would say one of the biggest ones is, is the sense that in a team culture, everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a part. You know, we can think of, of 1 Corinthians 12 and, and when Paul talks about the body, it doesn't make any difference how large or small your role is conventionally. We all have a role to play and we have to learn to embrace that role. I mean, it, it comes out in a choir. If one person decides that they're going to do something different, they can have the smallest voice in the choir until they do something different and then they completely stand out and it ruins the work of the rest of the choir. And we know that that's true in, in any team culture that if one person doesn't buy into that game plan yep. and, and follow the playbook, it can really run amok or, or, or take the entire program, you know, a different yeah. direction in that particular game. So we, yeah. we have to learn how to be on the same page and embrace our roles. Yeah. Michael Lombardi, he used to work in the front office of the Patriots and then the Browns and uh, Raiders. And he says a great team culture has no space for individual contractors. And oh, I would <laughs> agree with that statement. That's so true. Yeah. Um, so, um, so now you, you've been doing some music. Now you, you're coaching on the side. What was your first big move to just mainly a coach? Well, there's a, there's a little tangent step that occurs in between my, my teaching and the actual coaching when I became a college coach. And that was uh, a move to um, full-time ministry. And it was something that had been growing gradually. I, when, I, when I was in college, I felt the call to be involved in ministry uh, toward the end of my college and career, career and started to work as a youth director, youth pastor. And obviously with my music background, I was involved in music ministry as well. Um, and about 10 years out of college, nine years out of college, I had a church where I had developed, uh, we had developed a choir program and um, our youth ministry to the point that I was invited to take on a full-time position instead of two part-time positions. And, and I felt led, I felt like the Lord was leading me to be in, engaged more in a ministry role. Um, took that role, continued to work at that church for another three to four years, and then moved on to a different church, church and found out I had a passion for, really had a passion for college students. Um, and that was just a continual progression as I was developing a youth ministry at a new, at a new church. But as I was uh, working with the senior pastor of this church in Illinois um, in 2000, 2001, one of the things that, that we begin to recognize is that everywhere I went, that probably the most 
um, important component of all of my adult life to that point was I was always coaching. And as we were beginning to sit, uh, just kind of look through this, uh, this concept that I had in the back of my head that maybe college ministry would be that next step in my journey, um, we looked into college chaplain roles, um, didn't really feel the same sense of calling. I looked into a couple of different uh, coaching opportunities in track and, and volleyball. And as we were praying about it, uh, I was about ready to commit one more year to being a youth pastor um, at the church and happened to get a, a call out of the blue for a position um, at Bryan College in Tennessee. I'd applied there a while before, but nothing had gone through. Um, and I was invited to come in and, and, and uh, apply for the position and worked out great because the athletic director at the time had been a senior pastor who had that same sense of calling for working with young adults using sport as the platform um, for his teaching, his mentoring. And so he fully understood where I was coming from and, and recognized that, that I had that same trend where, where the coaching was what was drawing students into my realm where I could become a mentor for them. And so it became a natural fit to, to bring my passion for young people and my passion for sport together and my love for, for college into one role. And that's, that's when my, my um, college coaching career took off. And at Brian, what sport were you coaching there? I coached volleyball and I've been a volleyball coach at the college level since then. So and, it's and 17 years now. How did you get into volleyball coaching? Cause that was not <laughs> one of the sports you mentioned early no, on in the not. conversation. When I came out of college, I took a job at a small Christian school as a athletic director. Um, and if you're familiar with small Christian schools, I mean, we had, I think we had 70 in the school at the time. What that, what that term meant was, well, we need a, a coach for this sport. And so coach, why don't you coach it? And I've been around volleyball, you know, for many years, had a lot of friends that played. Um, and one of my mentors at the college was the volleyball coach. I called him up and said, hey, I've been asked to coach volleyball. I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I played you know, in a real, I played on the beach, but I don't really know this game. And so he brought me in and let me follow along uh, with the team during a couple of practices in preseason. I kind of took information and brought it back to the team. Still, so that first year, I had no clue what I was doing. I knew athletes. I knew how to get them in shape. And I understood, you know, working with a ball. Um, but I had to learn the game from the ground up, really learned it, um, you know, right in the midst of coaching. And so one of the things I did was I got involved with an, in an adult league. Um, that had a lot of former college athletes and, and played for three to four years. And that really opened up my mind to the athlete mindset of the game, as well as the, the coaching side. Uh, but it started right out of college. And uh, it was it was secondary in a lot of ways. Basketball and track had been my primary loves as a coach. Basketball was all encompassing. That's that was fully year round. Um, I did love track. It was very individual focused, though. And I found I had a love for for the team concept. And somehow during the journey, volleyball just began to take over a little bit more. Um, when I was moving to the college level, it really did come down to a track position and a volleyball position. And the difference was I had a family of seven at the time and the volleyball position actually was a full-time coach position and allowed me you know, to be able to take care of my family as well. So that, yeah. that was the final decision that led into the volleyball coaching. And, and I'm glad that that's the direction that God led me. It's been, it's been a great journey since then. Yeah. And then from Brian, you moved on to Gardner-Webb, which... In my opinion, now I, I coach at Liberty, so I know Gardner Webb very, very well. It's one of the most beautiful campus that not many people have seen. That's um, very true. It's it's in the middle 
it's been, it's right there, Charlotte area, a little far away from Charlotte. But um, once you get on that campus, that's one of the most beautiful campuses in the country. Um, how were you able to build that program up? You, you found some success. Uh, most importantly, your teams were always um, voted in as the best sportsmanship teams in the, in the league. Um, how was that experience now being at a division one program? Yeah, there were there were some some true challenges there as a as a small Division One college. Obviously, we had some hurdles that we had to overcome on the business side. But I had a great athletic director. There was a great culture. I had a great group of um, other Christian coaches that that were very encouraging. And and actually, we we were in a prayer and Bible study group weekly. So we so I had this great group that was standing behind me to encourage me as we developed the culture of the program. One of the the I would say the difficulties that we faced was um, we were still a, a young division one program. I think I took over in their eighth year as a division one program or ninth year. And so we were still trying to determine what does it mean to be division one, <laughs> you know, and, and, but in a lot of ways, because there had been no success with the program, we came in the first year and, and just took some steps forward. Um, and a lot of it came down to one thing. I believe that they could be successful, believed in my athletes, um, and really focused on them uh, at, at the personal level. Um, I had some great assistants then, and, and you know, of course, that the assistant coaches are, are a huge, huge uh, key when it comes to any success for any program. I think one of the things that we did instill right away was a, was, was a love for the game and a joy for the game, even though we didn't have, um, you know, phenomenal seasons on the win-loss column. Uh, my girls were passionate. They were passionate about the game. They were enthusiastic about the game. They were passionate for each other. And we developed a, a, a sense of understanding that we wanted to do it for something greater than ourselves. And so there was a, there was a passion for glorifying God as well. And I think that all, that all played into any, any success that we saw on the court. I think we saw more success in the lives of those young people um, off the court. And, and of course, when you see someone building and developing character, that becomes a big part of who they are on the court as well. Yeah, that's true. It all goes back to that influence again. Um, exactly, exactly. Um, and then now you are at Grove City in Pennsylvania. How was the, um, the, the not the situation, but the, the environment that you were in when you decided to move from a Division One program now, move to Pennsylvania, another state to live in, move your family <laughs> of seven. Yes. Um, what was happening in your life at that moment? Um, why did you decide to take that step? Um, the, the, yeah, that's what I'm curious about. Okay. Yeah. Well, when we, when I look back at my years at Gardner Webb, I, I had a really dark time my last three years and it, and it was nothing about the school. I loved the school, but we were struggling. And, and some of that struggle as time went on back to in 2017, I realized was coming from myself. Um, I was beginning to doubt who I was beginning to doubt what I was doing, wasn't sure that this was the right path for me. Um, began to do a lot of, of just soul searching and really digging in deep. And, and I, I did a study in the book of James at the end of a, a tough 2017 season. And it was a challenging read, especially James chapter four, talking about pride. Um, and I recognized that, that I feel like God was taking me to this low point to help me get back to the core of why I coached. You know, it, it, the, the one thing about being a college coach at any level is the business side of, of wins and losses can, it, it always lurks there. And I started to feel that pressure 
And then I allowed that pressure to drive me and the, the, the results became more important to me than yeah. the reason why I chose to, to work as a coach to begin with, which was to influence young people. And I took that year and, and found my way back to my core in the process started to uh, had been writing and started to write more. And my daughter was a senior in college writing major and wanted to use some of my devotions that I've written for FCA to put together, compile into a book and make it an editing project. Um, and so we spent a lot of time doing doing that and pulling up my devotions and re rewriting them and updating them. And as I went through that process, I, I again, I, I looked through the book of James. I was looking at what was going on. I was writing this book and I realized that I wanted to focus my later years even more so on on the, the role of influencing not but not only just my athletes i had found a, a place at gardner web where i was i was starting to to be involved with students from other organizations um, on campus other teams on campus and i loved that role i love that opportunity to to work with others beyond my my team i have yeah as, as i said earlier on i played a lot of sports so i have a love for a lot of sports um <laughs> I began looking into the possibility of, of moving into administration to some type of role that would allow me to be engaged with more than just my team. And as you know, as a division one coach, that could be difficult at the division one level because, you know, there's so much that goes on. There's so much that, that um, can encompass the life of the coach that it's difficult to do anything beyond that. And, and I found myself missing the role I had at my little Christian school, um, you know, when I was pastoring, when I was working at the at Bryan College, it's a smaller college where I had the opportunity to be involved in much more than just coaching. And so, when I finished the 2018 year, by the way, I went into 2018 with a with my word for the year was joy, and I had a, I had a joyful year. Didn't necessarily again see it in in wins and losses, but I had a wonderful year with a great group of athletes, and was able to leave Gardner Webb feeling like my time went there was done and it was time for someone else to step in. And, and my time was, was opening and emerging at, at Grow City and that they were looking for someone to, to launch a sport ministry. Um, and they were looking for a volleyball coach at the same time. And so God worked the timing out for, you know, preparing me for that understanding it was time to move on and preparing Grove City for that time period where, where someone with, with my particular background could come in and, and have a marriage of, of need and resources and really opened up a phenomenal opportunity for me to minister to my volleyball team here at Grove City, but to also serve as an associate AD for sport ministry specifically. And again, it was, it was a, a project that um, had not been in place before I got here. I was challenged with the, with the, the role of creating this you know, from, from scratch. And there have been some great, there are some other colleges that have great sport ministries that are fully engaged with their student athletes. So I've been able to be um, engaged with Messiah College, Baylor University, Lipscomb University has, has a similar program. Um, each of our programs are different based on the director of the program, but our focus is on equipping our student athletes and, and helping them understand the platform they have and making the most of that platform to minister yeah. to others. So it's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity. I, I love it here. I loved it at Gardner-Webb. I loved it at Bryan College. Um, I just love the opportunity you know, that God has given me on my journey to continue to work with athletes um, and impact them and, you know, in, in whatever way that he sees fit to allow me to be involved in their lives. Yeah. That, when you're working with those athletes, um, what is the one message that if they don't hear anything else from you, um, what is one message that you want them to always remember? I would say there were two. Number one for me is to understand that that 
I'm trying to fulfill the purpose that God has given me here on this earth to do. And for me, that's to pour into the lives of others. And for my athletes to recognize that God has gifted them in a specific way. He's blessed them with a certain skill set, characteristics, personality traits. He's made them who they are. And I don't like using the word special because I think that word has been overused, but he's made them unique for his purpose. And, and I, I really think of Ephesians 2, 8, and 8 through 10, the end of, of that passage where, where basically Paul says that we are God's workmanship. And we have a, a job to do. We've, we were saved by grace, you know, so that we can continue to be his workmanship and fulfill our role to glorify him and at the same time to make more disciples. And so I want them to understand that God has designed them and their experiences for a purpose and to seek that purpose. And, and God will walk with them if they, if they can sense that and find that purpose and pour themselves into it. Yeah, thank you. I took some notes there. Um, my, my last question is we're always trying to give coaches who listen some um, action steps or some, some tips on how they can continue to uh, build their platform and impact their students. What are some of the books that you have read in your life that have prepared you to be a good coach? Uh, John Gordon's The Energy Bus and his series of books I, I continue yeah. to read. Um, John Maxwell has a series of, of books. Um, I know one that comes to mind when it, when, when it comes to being a great team is the 17 uh, Irrefutable Laws of, of, of Teamwork. And uh, I think he has another one, The 21 Indisputable Laws of Leadership. And there are several books that he's written that, that have always impacted me. Um, John Wooden and Jay Cardi put out a great devotional book. And actually, it's part of what led me into writing. And I wish I could remember the name of it off the top of my head. Um, I can't remember the name of it. But if you look up Jay Cardi and, and John Wooden, you'll, you'll find the book. It was a great book and then a devotional cycle that came out of it. Um, I, I would start there. But I also, for me, I found that I just I dig into scripture and, and look for the opportunity to see how it relates to my coaching background. You know, we talk about Jesus as the, the greatest example of a teacher that there ever could be. You know, I, I, I love to teach um, my, my team chaplains here. I teach out of um, looking at, at Christ's life and how he mentored his disciples and prepared them to be leaders. And, and, and I, I just find a lot of my strength coming straight out of, of scripture. And I'm going to just make a quote that, that a, a pastor or say a quote that a pastor of mine passed on years ago. Um, was a was a country pastor, simple man, um, always preached from scripture. And he said, I, I'm a simple man. I found that that if I just turn my attention to scripture and continue to focus my myself daily on on the word of God, that that God will teach me the lessons that I need in order to be the person he wants me to be. And and sometimes, you know, having those books are, are a yeah. great way to to build on that. But but I, I would encourage coaches more than anything, scripture and prayer on a daily basis. You know, I think they will build that, that base that they need to be the coach that God wants them to be. If they, if they have scripture at the, at the core of who they are and they're spending time in God's word and spending time with them. Yeah. That was one of my mistakes as I got into coaching, I would just start reading leadership books, self-help books and 
thought those guys were the specialists and experts. And then after a few years, I'm like, I can just go to the Bible and it's there and it's living, you know, and it can exactly. be applied to any aspect of our lives and then use those other books as auxiliary exactly. um, help. Um, but but only always focus on scripture. Well, Coach Sales, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us. Um, we like to end with asking you, how can we be praying for you? I would say there are two prayers that I would ask. Number one, and, and I know you'll agree with this, keep our athletic department in prayer as we're <laughs> going into another unusual year. And, and I, I'm looking at this spring saying this is going to be like a an Olympic sport festival for four months as all yep. of our teams are trying to go at once and, and dealing with all the, 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 the yep. craziness um, and, and still the uncertainty, you know, if we're going to be able to go forward, that would be number one. And then uh, I'm in the editing process of my second book, uh, devotion okay. book that should come out this June. And, and so as we're walking through the process again, that, that things will come together in God's time and, and that we'll see a good launch for this second book. Um, my, my goal is just to get it in the hands of athletes and, and people that love sports. And, and as we were saying, I don't, I don't want it to be a primary source. I want it to be used as something that will lead people back into a deeper relationship Perfect. with Christ through their understanding of scripture. Perfect. All right, let's close out in prayer. Right. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this conversation with Coach Sales. Thank you for his leadership at Grove City and everywhere he's, he's been before. Lord, thank you that he's remained faithful in you, even when things were dark. Um, Father, I pray that you'll be with every athletic department in this country, that the leaders in charge will continue to seek guidance from you and make decisions that will be of a benefit for your kingdom and for the athletes and the coaches involved. And Lord, I pray that Coach Sales' second book here will come out in a smooth process um, and that many people will be influenced by it bringing them closer to you and closer to your word and, and hopefully your salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for, for coming to earth to save us and um, help us have a great 2021. You may pray. Amen. 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 That was uh, awesome. Leo, Leo just rocked it. I loved hearing about his story and his journey and, and what he's doing now at Grove City. Um, a lot of, a lot of highlights, but one thing that, that really stuck out to me was uh, as he was talking about being a, a musician and how that correlated to his coaching and how every person plays a role in the team and every um, you know instrument plays a role in in the in the chorus. Yeah, um, the one thing I, I liked was when he talked about not being a very good athlete, so always riding the bench, but he always chose to sit closer to the coach and listen to the coach. And that's why he's a great coach right now is, you know, he learned by sitting there. And sometimes I think of Belichick. Um, he was not a good football player, but he was such a big st a student of the game that it allowed um, him to become one of the greatest coaches of all time now. Um, and yeah, I think sometimes I, that happens. Yeah. And I love watching coaches. I love the end of the game to hear the coaches interview. Um, even as a, as a young athlete, even um, just trying to learn as much as we can. One story I was watching, uh, Illinois head coach coach up one of his players in a clutch moment. I was like, what's he doing? And uh, he snuck him a Skittles. And that was uh, my, my coaching learning is, all right, just got to get some Skittles for my players with their low energy. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing was how he was so invested in helping his athletes, his volleyball players, 
get better that he joined an adult volleyball league so he would know what it feels like to be a volleyball player and i think sometimes coaches are coaching tennis for example but they never play tennis matches anymore they they and they sometimes lose track of what it feels to be an actual tennis player feel that pressure being able to close out a match or play you know shoot an incredible free throw in a clutch moment i think coaches if i can in, um, encourage you to continue to play your sport if you're if you can or just put yourself in situations where there's pressure and you have to make decisions um, so that your athletes see you doing that as well um, and you'll have a lot bigger report with them. For sure. Yeah, I, uh, I agree 100%, Gian. And um, just to end this podcast, we, we're loving doing this. Um, thanks for all the, the kind notes and messages. It means a lot to know that you guys are being encouraged and, and tuning in each week. And coach, just remember that the mission field is right where you're at.